Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for the LSJ, joined by free beat writer Chris Solari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. Well, guys, we're just we're kind of in a weird spot here in terms of the, well, in terms of life, as always, and uh, the Michigan State basketball schedule as well. They have not played uh, in almost two weeks, and we almost have another full week until they play again as we record here on Thursday morning, and uh, if this goes like it did a couple podcasts ago where um, the Michigan State game was postponed literally 60 seconds after the podcast went live, there will probably surely be some breaking news sometime after we record this today. Yeah, that's that's always how it goes, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a weird... To, to have this kind of pause, you know, in, in, a, in a season is, is very unnatural, but it's been a very unnatural year. And, uh, you know, I, I think, as, you know, as long as there aren't more more cases, uh, more positive tests, I think you'll see Michigan State at Rutgers next Thursday. Um, but, you know, these guys get tested six days a week. And until you have something contained and you know it for sure, you, you never know. Yeah, and as you saw, I mean, you know, the, the way that the last situation – you know, it, it, they played the Purdue game on that Friday, the 8th, um, and Maddie Sissoko tests positive that following Sunday, then Steven Izzo the next day, then on Wednesday, they're getting ready to leave for Iowa, and Joshua Langford tests positive. Um, that canceled that trip, and then quickly the next day uh, postponed the, the game against Indiana at home. And then over the weekend, you know, you, you, you're talking a full week removed from Madi Sissoko. Then all of a sudden, David Smith tests positive uh, on Sunday, and Tom Tom Nairn and trainer Marshall Rapp. Um, you know, so now you got six active cases within the program. Yeah, within the program, four of them among players. Um, you know, it. You know, it, sometimes it's a slow build to that, right? I mean, it's you know, it's, it's hard. And I thought Tom is a has. He's been very succinct about a lot of things with in, involving the virus, but I think you know, just like he said, we're on the virus's timeline. There's nothing we can do, and I think that's a frustrating thing for coaches who are used to having all control over pretty much all things. That's, that you know, when something gets wrestled out of their hands, it's just frustrating. And I know as of Wednesday, they were not back practicing as a full group yet. So, um, you know, that that obviously, you know. I'm sure out of an abundance of caution, but, uh, you know, like you mentioned, Graham, who knows when, when, if there may be more positives. Uh, It'd be interesting to see what they are, uh, when they return. Um, you know, and and look, they're not going to change drastically, drastically, but they're going to be missing 
you know, Joshua Lankford for at least a game. He'll be eligible, I believe, to come back for the second game against Ohio State, but it would be just that day. So I don't know what his role would be, and he probably wouldn't, might not be starting or whatnot. And, and it'll be interesting to see because, you know, when you look at the, the positive tests they've had uh, to this point, I mean, Mati Sissoko was, was somebody who was, was gaining a larger role. But Langford was really the only other one. The two were walk-ons. You know, the, Langford was the only other one. He was a starter, a prominent player. And, you know, he's at a position that because they've made the move to put A.J. Hogard in at point guard, uh, he's at a position now where there's there's it, it, it's clogged. They're they're almost they just got almost too many guys at the two or off the ball and and trying to find those figure out those roles and and you one thing they've discovered to this point is Aaron Henry has to be on the floor. Like if you want to win basketball games this year, you got to play Aaron Henry 30, 35 minutes. So there aren't minutes to really be had there. So this will be interesting because there have been other years where they have sort of there have been other years where they've made some moves that things have worked, but other years where they've fallen into things. And the Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman thing a couple of years ago comes to mind. That final four run, I'm not sure it happens if Nick Ward doesn't get hurt and they run into the the uh, Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston dynamic. This could be a year where this gives an opportunity for Rocket Watts or even a Gabe Brown to find a little more of himself with more minutes um, and, and to get something going. And that changes the rotation. I, I think that's what they have to hope comes out of this that there's something positive there um that there's a little more opportunity for a couple guys who are struggling one of which especially in and and you know with um with rocket watts that they desperately need to get going yeah well and you're also kind of uh you know there's always that assumptive here that you know that guys are going to come back at the same spot and the same uh stamina that they were a couple of weeks ago. And that's, you know, I, I, I always think back to the Denzel Valentine injury and how long it took him to, to first for the team to get acclimated to playing without him. And then for him to, to reacclimate himself within what they've become, um, you know, it's a little different when you have a full pause like this. Well, let me rephrase that. Cause it's not necessarily a pause. They are doing individual work and small groups, but it's not the same as having, you know, five on five full practices with a scout team. Um, a lot different, um, you know, so, but that also, you know, when you're not having that, that full up and down, um, you know, the, the stamina sometimes can go, uh, we don't know any potential long-term side effects with any guys, whether it might minimize their minutes, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things with that, but, um, and I think another thing is that as Tom Izzo has, has kind of opened up a little bit more, uh, knowing that 12 of the 15 players now have had the virus since, since the beginning of, of the, the fall, um, you know, that, you know, some people have asked me, is that a good thing long-term that, but, you know, Izzo is so cautious about potential reinfection uh, at this point that, you know, he's, he's, I guess, uh, you know, speculating that, you know, and worried that that could be a, a possibility, but, you know, it, in terms of the guys individually, I mean, you know, Rocket Watts right now is playing 15 minutes a game. I mean, you know, we, we forget about that because it has been a little bit of time. And I still think that they're a better team with Langford in there. Um, mostly maybe he's a step slower defensively, but he's still kind of the orchestrator right now of that defense. I don't feel like there's, 
anybody else that kind of coalesces the guys and, and gets them positioned better than he does at this point. So what do you lose with that? Um, you know, there's a reason he's playing 20, 25 minutes a game. That's, that's, that's a big part of it. So I don't know. I, I think there's different dynamics that do change if you take him out of the, the lineup for a long period of time. But even when he does come back, where's he going to be? And what, how, how, how significant is, is the caseload for these, for in particular Langford and Sissoko, where will they be when they come back? It's, it's all coin flips right now until they get back on the court. Yeah, and when you're, you're right about the Denzel Valentine. I mean, obviously, Denzel Valentine was, was such an – I mean, everything started and began with with him, and so that was a bigger piece to uh, bring into things. But you're right. It does take a minute. And, and I think for that reason, you probably will see Langford not start. Um, I, I, I just think at this point, Izzo is struggling to figure out where to get Watts' minutes and where to try and find Gabe Brown a role. And I mean, I, you know, I have some thoughts on what might need to happen long-term if they're going to make a run, which is, you know, maybe you do have to go really small. Um, and when I say really small, I'm talking Brown, Henry at the four type stuff because you got to give yourself, try and give yourself an advantage somewhere, um, which they haven't really done because when they go small now, they don't go small in a productive way. They go small Hauser Hall and Hall is a, wonderful defensive player he's become and he's a good two-way player but he's offensively doesn't scare you and so it does you no good to go small with him you don't get the advantage the guy who's guarding him and 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 you know the guy guarding hauser i mean there's flexibility the five can deal with hall the four can deal with hauser the the other team has flexibility if you really want to go with a small lineup and and take advantage of your own offensive abilities you're going to have to go smaller And, and that would be a way to create more minutes for people. But I think as Izzo struggles with figuring out roles for people, this, this could be a, a way to get guys going that helps them find a new rotation, whatever they do with, I mean, Langford's going to be in the rotation. He's going to play major minutes, but they're, they're struggling right now to figure out how to use Watts and where to use them and, and for what, how many minutes. And, and it, it's, it's just not um, the, the amount of combinations they use and, and is, there's just no rhythm to it, and uh, and and they, you know, I I I think that could be the one silver lining to this is that they really need to. I mean, they're not going anywhere if Rocket Watts isn't playing at a near all at an all conference level, and so they they've got to me they've got to do everything they can to get him vibing that way. I I contend that it needs to be Joey Hauser playing at that level. Uh, simply because, as you mentioned, there is the depth at the the two guard spot. Um, what you don't have is a is another four like Joey Hauser when he's playing like he did at the beginning of the year, and that to me is the significant difference between the early part of the year, even even in those. You remember Watts had those couple big games in a row, but then started to kind of slip off in that that Detroit game. Um, and, and you know that's that. I'm not saying you don't need Watts playing at a high level, a much higher level than he's playing at right now. I just think that that Hauser with his ability to to get in the paint, um, you know, the lack of scoring inside with with the five means that you need something from him. Um, and 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 you know he's outside of the Wisconsin game, he has mightily struggled in Big Ten play. To me, he's the guy that you got to get going, and you know you've got to get him. Uh, you know, back to the point where he's confident hitting shots in rhythm, uh, 
uh, you know, like, like he was in the Wisconsin game, getting the board and helping get that break going as well. You know, that takes away some of the need sometimes for, for, uh, you know, maybe a second point guard. If you have a guy that can, can get it and go like him and Aaron Henry can do. Uh, but you know, he's, he's looked like a shell of himself, I think in the, in the game, the most recent game. So, um, I do think Watts is important, but I think Hauser in particular, so much has been uh, put on his shoulders uh, in his first year at Michigan State that, you know, it, it, he, he's shown the capability to do it. He just hasn't shown the consistency to do it. I, I think there's a thing with Rocket Watts. It was similar to last year where, you know, he, if he didn't get going early in a game, uh, Izzo would pull him from the game and he would be a non-factor. But as the season went on, you know, he Watts got to work through, you know, his quote unquote mistakes or maybe struggles. And then he was playing great at the end of the year. So maybe it's a thing where uh, to use a social media parlance, he just needs to let, let Rocket, Rocket Watts cook and maybe he can, he can find his stride here one way or the other. Well, one of the things that I think that we've seen, though, is that, you know, obviously the shift to point guard makes it a lot different. Yeah. Um, you know, there's different demands when you're playing as much one as they tried to play him early. And, you know, I think that's maybe shaking some of his confidence with his shot when he's playing the two and, you know, the decision-making at the two is still, you know, all North and South, you know, eyes on the rim. Um, you know, he's got a, there's times when he shows that he's got the ability to penetrate and create for others. I think that's gotta be some of it, but that, but the, the bigger question is, you know, what's, how much is he letting that offense dictate the defense? Because, you know, defensively he's, He's nowhere near where I, I think he showed he's he's capable of being a year ago. And and Graham, I mean, if you're not, you know, if you're if you're guarding the, the opposing team's top players, um, you know, and then you have to get pulled off them, and and you're still getting blown by. That's that's an issue that you know Tom Izzo can't live with. Well, and I think part of the problem defensively is that you know so much of their concept of their team defense that they've you know, run all these years requires great communication and, and, and good play on the back end. Right. And help. And, help. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's the whole, the whole thing. I mean, if you're going to get it, no, no basketball player can, you know, a, a quick guard can get by anybody. Uh, you can't just completely stay in front of somebody. And that's just not, I mean, it's, it's impossible to do. Otherwise you, you just hire these people as cornerbacks and receivers literally couldn't get more than two yards beyond the line of scrimmage every every single play. I mean, it's just – but what, you're right. I, I, he Defensively, he's been nowhere as good. It speaks a little bit to what Tillman was for them defensively last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also the trust you have when, when you're a guard and you know Xavier Tillman is behind you. Um, and, they, you know, and, and that said, Rocket Watts has not been defensively. You're right. I think it has impacted him. Um, what's interesting about – you talk about Hauser and – and want and you know, college. One of the things coaches say all the time, right, is you got to have three guys rolling. It's an old adage: three guys rolling to go anywhere. And for Michigan State, I don't think it's going to be Langford this year. I think he, in given games, will will get it going. But I, I mean, I think that's Hauser, Henry, and Watts. Those are the three guys they got to have rolling to get anywhere. So you're right; you got to get Hauser going. You know, Mike Shashesky though was pretty. You know, he was the guy who said that Watts was the guy that made them different the guy that scared them i think he's the guy when people look at a sky on film they go oh boy if he gets going like that's that's something i don't know that we can 
we can stop. Hauser, um, you know, Hauser's interesting because early on he had kind of it all going. He had the, you know, you, you know, I mean, he's for a while had the three point shot going. He's, he's a crafty scorer inside. There are matchups that can take that away, especially when he's playing big and he's playing against fives. We've seen him struggle there. And so I think those are all things that they've got to find a way. I, you know, I, I think, you know, you've talked about the two man game stuff. I think the running, you know, reverse, um, you know, getting the ball over to uh, reversing the ball over to Watts and and using him in ball screens with with Hauser. I mean, these are things that that I think they need to do more of. Those are their their best two offensive weapons in certain ways. Henry is in other ways, but Henry because he's not a great uh, ball handler and all that. He's you know there are certain things you can't rely on him for and. and uh, I, I just I would like to see them take advantage, and you've written about it, Chris. The the, the Hauser uh, Watts dynamic; those three guys are your dudes. Like those are your guys offensively that you've got to get going, and you got to do whatever you have to to get them going. And, and if and if it, it, you get proven wrong, that it winds up being that Joshua Langford winds up being one of those guys, or Gabe Brown, it all comes together for him. Great, but right now those are your three guys. Well, and I think that the other thing too is that. You know, in right now with this, whatever you want to call it, break, I guess, is probably the best way rather than a pause. Um, you know, when they're working small groups, I mean, getting getting some of that two-man stuff ironed out and, and more reps together with with Hauser and, and Watts kind of, I, I think, will benefit this offense. Um, and I think that's certainly something that you want to see a little bit more because there is some promise to it, um, but it needs a lot of ironing out because these guys haven't really played a lot of basketball together in, in part because Hauser last year was playing on the scout team and Watts was with the starters and, and in part because of the summer and, and the lack of uh, a, a true preseason and, and, you know, limited non-conference games. So, you know, I, I do think that, you know, this is usually the time of the year where you see Izzo start to pull things together and and figure out and define these roles. I think I think that the limited nature of the the preseason, um, you know, pushes that timetable. You know, he's talked about mid January, but I think I think he pushes the timetable back maybe even well at this point now without these games the last two weeks. You know, maybe it pushes it back to the middle of February before things get ironed out. I, I think beginning of January or beginning of February with, you know, just with the calendar, the way it's been seemed like it would be the, the, the time where, where Izzo would pare down the rotation and get to a smaller number of guys for longer extended minutes. But, um, you know, that, that, you know, now this adds another layer of complexity to it with, with how you, how you manage these guys in the minutes, uh, you know, particularly not knowing physically where a couple guys might be right away. Do you guys know if the three games that have been postponed, uh, which was Iowa, uh, Indiana, and Illinois, will those be rescheduled, or is that just going to be an impossibility with, I think, 10 or 11 games left on the schedule before the, the Big Ten tournament? From what I they, – they plan to right now, and if you look at Penn State's schedule where they're playing like a game every other day, I mean, they, they but it's weird. They haven't moved the Illinois-Indiana game – or Illinois-Iowa game, uh, which was an opportunity. Both those teams were scheduled to play – uh, the 29th, I believe it was, and both their teams had like lots of cancellation. They had a, at least one cancellation before then, 
And so it seemed like move that to this weekend, right? Would have been the would have been the play uh, to give yourself some flexibility there, maybe next weekend. Um, but you know, I, I don't think they're gonna. I would be stunned if Michigan State plays a twenty game schedule. I would be. Um, I think. Uh, I think there are gonna be more cancellations down the road. Not just. I mean, for MSU, but because of other teams. Look at Nebraska. That game February third for MSU is is in peril. Nebraska is like their whole team out right now. Um, so the, the idea that they're going to get a 20-game schedule in, I understand they want to make these games up, but right now is one of the windows that MSU had to make up games, right? And it didn't happen. And the, the only way they're going to get most of them in, I think, is to is – and I think they will eventually cancel the Big Ten tournament, but uh, is, is to use that week if they want to uh, to, to, to cancel – or to, 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 you know, play a game here or there that they, the they ought to be playing. Correct. The week of the scheduled Big Ten term. Well, I do think the other thing, too, to keep in mind, and Tom Izzo kind of alluded to this as well, we could see similar situations to, like, what happened in football where you just, you know, who's available? Well, let's schedule, let's put them back on the schedule. You know, Michigan State, I think, has two, I believe two of their three, uh, or at least half of their, two of the three home, and I think at least four, Four, three or four of the six one plays already in the book. So, I mean, you know, that's the other thing about basketball is you've got so many one plays, you can shuffle that around and still keep the competitive balance pretty even, um, you know, just because you have six teams that you're only playing once. Um, you know, that's it's a little different than football where, you know, oh, we played Maryland. Maybe we could play Maryland again next week. Or, or I think it was the Northwestern situation when when there was a maryland cancellation where michigan state uh, there there were a couple different scenarios there where they could have duplicated some of the the teams and that's simply because of the the nature of the divisional scheduling in football but you know i I think that's an option as well i mean i think all options are on the table right now because i mean they're quite literally they're they're feeling their way through this blindly in the dark um you know they had they had a little bit of an idea with how football went, uh, but the more and more games that do get built up, the less and less chance they will be made up. I think. I think that's not just Michigan State, but across the board uh, within the conference. I don't know if any of the quote unquote Power Five conferences or six or however many there is basketball are, are doing this, but uh, could the Big Ten explore uh, adjusting the schedule and having the teams play back to backs? I know some of the lower level conferences. Yeah, I know the Horizon League is doing that. Horizon League is doing double duty games at a single site, but the Valley you know, is I, too. Yeah, you, you got to also remember that that the one thing that's in play that's not in the Horizon League is the TV contracts. And let's face it, that's a lot of what and why the things are happening the way they are right now. Yeah, I mean the reason the season's being played is the money in the TV contracts. So I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think anything's possible, I, I, you know, in this weird year. You know, I, I think it's also they, – they seem to have the dates firmly set that they're trying to have the NCAA tournament, and those are starting to get set. So I don't I don't think their idea right now is to push that back at all. But, um, you know, I, I, I think nothing is off the table in terms of if you were to get to a point where you had an, enough teams and enough leagues that needed a pause or needed to – make up games that you could even see the tournament move slightly. I think, you know, I mean, that's the logistics get tricky when you're trying to do everything in one city and use facilities and, and, and all that stuff of, of moving dates. But again, I mean, 
we've seen football games scheduled two days out in this country that used to be scheduled 10 years out. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not putting anything out of, out of the realm of possibility. Well, and you know, the other thing that someone else mentioned to me, I think on Twitter, uh, you know, how much, how could they delay it potentially with vaccine rollouts to get these kids vaccinated before, um, before, before trying to, to do an NCAA tournament. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a realistic possibility as well, depending on where the vaccine rollout is nationally. Um, There's you know, no I, way they're getting down to healthy eighteen year olds though. By the time, by the time, well, um, if you push it back to April, I mean, you push it back a month. I mean, you man, I'm 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 an obese I'm an obese forty one year old, and I'm hoping for June, man. Like I I don't know, it's yeah. uh, it, it could be it could be unrealistic, but we never thought. I mean, if you, if you would have asked me in April a year ago if we would have a, a vaccine at this point, just talking to medical experts I've talked to, you know, a year, year and a half was at that point considered the target and the potential. Uh, so, right. you know, just like everything's changing and morphing quickly in college sports, on the medical side, that's changing and morphing quickly too, including the production of it. So. You know, who knows? I mean, it's, you know, that's, you know, but the one thing I do think that having the tournament in Indianapolis in a single collective does is one, there aren't a lot of other conventions going on, so they'll take whatever they can get the the convention bureau down there. Um, That means pushing it back. So be it Two, you aren't traveling to multiple different cities. So you don't have to worry about the potential for, other venues or reserving hotels, you know, you're all, you're centrally located in a single spot. So, you know, that I think also is something that allows them a little more flexibility just with what could happen, you know, and, and allow them to go a little longer, maybe even, you know, like if something like, you know, you think about how quickly they had to cancel everything last year, Um, you know, that, that Friday or that Sunday of the Ohio State Michigan State game with Cassius Winston Senior Day, you know, people were still were grumbling and not even thinking about any potential virus issues, right? You know, that there's there's going to be no disruption. We, our medical experts have this, that, and the other thing. You know, that's on a Sunday. On a, I think it was Monday or Tuesday. We talked to Tom Izzo about it. And, you know, that was when the first conferences started shutting things down. And two days later, there's no Big Ten tournament. There's no NCAA tournament. I mean, that's, that's how quickly that moved, right? So, you know, things can, things can really change quickly. And, and I think that, you know, right now, the ability to push it back, I think, you know, having it in a single site does help that in case one or many things happen, positive or negative, whether it be, increased vaccines that allow you to, to, you know, you can wait a little bit or if there's an outbreak or uh, another spike that you need to, to wait as well. And then, and then you open up a whole other can of worms about are the players and coaches going to be required to get the vaccine, but then some of them probably aren't going to want it, which is definitely going to happen because, I mean, we even see, you know, trust, trusted health professionals. There, there's, I mean, we're really diving off a little bit sideways here, but even some nurses and doctors that you know are aren't getting the vaccine themselves so i mean that, that's gonna that'll end up being a big debate too if that's something that they chose to do if they pushed it back a month as if they were if they were using vaccines as one of the reasons 
Right, but the one thing that they could do is just say, okay, if you're not going to get the vaccine, we, we can't jeopardize the other 67 teams. You know, I mean, you, make the, you can opt out at that point. I mean, it's, you know, certainly, you know, they, they can, it, it, as a private entity, really, they can they can make the requirements from a physical standpoint, you know, that, you know, almost like a reverse drug test, right? You know, if you aren't taking the drug, then you know, you're opting out. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it, it is a fascinating situation that could happen. I mean, so I think Michigan State has, what, 11 games left on their schedule? How many, if you had to guess, how many of them do you think will actually get played? There's no reason not to think they'll get, you know, most of those played. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, there's, there's you know, I mean, they were doing pretty well for a while, you know, and uh, the Big Ten was doing pretty so well was for a while. So was all of college basketball. You know, and positivity rates are down certain places a little bit, which is good. And, and um, you know, the problem is once once it gets in one of these teams, it's it's, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's really hard to know. The, the real question for me is what does Michigan State still need to do to get to the NCAA tournament? And, and you know, because you're talking about a two, what, two and four? What, is that what they are right now? Um, uh, four in the Big Ten. Yeah, two and four in the Big Ten. Four overall. And so you don't know whether you're going to make up certain games or not. They're only going to play Illinois once. Um, and maybe that will be something that's a priority, although I think scheduling will determine it more than that sort of thing, making sure you at least play everybody. Because here's the thing, um, with the lack of home crowds, really, the home road isn't as important. I think it would be more, uh, you know, ideally you, you, you at least play everybody once. Um, but who? Do you, what do you need to get to? based on the number of games that are left, what does the tournament look like? I think, you know, Michigan State fans largely want to get to that NCAA tournament. You don't want this pandemic year to be the year that crushes that NCAA tournament streak. And, yeah, you'd like more than that if you're an MSU fan. You'd love to make a Final Four run. You'd love it to all come together. But when you're sitting around this summer thinking about next year's team and the excitement with that, what you want is just something that's really – been a baseline of what has made MSU's program great, which is the tournament streak at 23 straight. You, you, you'd like that not to go away because of a pandemic, because of a weird year, because things didn't come together in part because of that. And then, so I think getting to that tournament um, and, and what that looks like, and, and frankly, for the NCAA selection committee, which is going to have to look at a situation where there just isn't the same usual non-conference um, resumes to look at around college basketball. What, you know, what makes a good team? What, you know, um, um, but uh, yeah, it, it, I think that's the big question. And, and you know, I, I, this MSU team, if they did not make it, would be, would have definitely not lived up to its potential. But I, I think there's work to be done and no certainty that it'll happen. The one, one weird thing is the season is developing. Like, Purdue, when that loss happened, yeah, it's still a loss that should not have happened because the way the game unfolded. But Purdue is no longer a bubble team. Purdue has played really well. They won four straight. They're kicking the crud out of people. Yeah, yeah but Northwestern has kind of taken the place of that, a team that appears to be fall, yeah, falling no off question. the <laughs> That's a bad loss, but Purdue isn't. So you don't really know what's what 100% yet. Um, and um, so there aren't a lot of bad losses. They don't play Northwestern again. There's no opportunity for a bad loss there. Um I don't think they play Northwestern again. Um, they play Nebraska maybe again uh, if Nebraska is healthy to play. So, but they've got to, you know, they're going to have to. I thought get to, uh, you know, I thought get to about eight Big Ten wins to be in there, 
And, you know, does that change if they have fewer games? Perhaps. But, yeah. you know, 7-13, and 13, I don't think does it. I was going to say 8-10 and 10 is, you know, well, it'd be 8-12. You know, so you see the 16-game, the 18-game schedule, now 20-game schedule. You know, you have to be 8-12. and 12. Um, And that's a lot of losses. I mean, that's, you know, because that all of a sudden now puts you at, what, 16 and sixteen and 12. Yeah. I mean, that's 16 and 12 overall. And if there's no no Big Ten tournament, you know, you know, it, 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 let me put it this way. It's hard to project it out not knowing exactly how many games everybody's going to have in their full resume right. too. So you're, right? so you're looking I mean, at, you're, you're not, you're not assuming 30 games, 30, 32 games at this point going into a postseason, Right. I mean, and then the, whatever happens in the postseason after that, I mean, so it's, it's just going to be a different year that, that I think that, you know, there's a slide, it's going to be a slide ruler again. Right. I mean, you're going to, you know, not, the calculators will be, important but i think the slide rulers and the you know the the weighted scale is going to be more interesting this year for me to watch to see how they judge these teams michigan state included yeah and you've got one or two games against iowa and then two games against michigan which looks like they might be the third best team in the nation so if you lose all of those i mean i think you're in i think i think they're in some serious trouble and on top of that the metric numbers for the for the spartans have not been great at all and I mean, yes, it can go. The strength of schedule goes up, but if if you're not winning those games or not making it closer, you can't pull off an upset or two. I, I mean, I think they're in some serious trouble. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the whole thing. This is going to be a test of the NCAA tournament selection committee, which has been better typically than the college football committee. But what we just saw from that inept group gives you pause to know whether they'll know what to judge. I mean, because the challenge this year is, you know, you got mid majors who aren't getting great opportunities, but that doesn't mean they're not better than some of the high majors who are middling teams. Your job is to be able to figure that out. If you're a, in a pandemic year, if you're a, 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 and know what the hell you're looking at. And you probably ought to have coaches, frankly, on the uh, selection committee for that this year, you ought ought to have different sorts of people who can just see hoops. Right. But I think for MSU, I mean, the records aren't going to matter. Record, you, you know, the idea that, oh, you got to get to 18 wins or 20 wins to get in the tournament, that stuff is gone this year. Um, and, and so, it, you know, I, you know I, I've thought 8 and 12 for Michigan State. But, again, it depends on which games those are. You know, who, do you, who have you beaten? You, the, for Michigan State, they're going to have to have a few quality wins at the end of that. And the, the good news for them and the bad news for them is there are really no nights off, but there are a lot of opportunity for quality wins. Ohio State is all of a sudden playing really well. Purdue is playing really, really well. You got another game with them. Um, you know, these are games where you have a chance. And if you pick off one of the, you know, one of the the big boys, you know, whether you get Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, so to speak. Um, I don't, don't know if they play Wisconsin again, but um, you know, they do, not. they do not. Yeah, you've got a chance to really elevate uh, your your stature. So I mean, the, the opportunity is there. If, if they're a decent team. If, if they play it all to their potential, they should get in. And if they don't, they won't. It's not like they're – I don't think they're going to get screwed. I think the opportunities for them are, are there, and it's really up to them. Well, I think it's important to put in the caveat here, right? I mean, you know, we're – you're always assuming what may or may not happen based on those first few games. Just remember, two only two other Izzo teams have started two and four. And I think it was back-to-back years in the early 2000s after the Final Four streak. Um, 
both of those teams started two and four in a Big Ten, and both of those teams finished by winning eight of their last ten in the Big Ten when it was a 16-game schedule. So, again, it's not something that Tom Izzo has done often, but it's shown he's able to, to recover a team and get them into the tournament with a strong February and March. Those were kind of the baselines for a lot of the, you know, that, that was around the point where people started to say, wow, Izzo really does his best coaching in February and, and March going into the tournament. Um, you know, that very, I mean, the talent's there. We, we saw the talent early in the year. Um, there's no question about that. Um, it's the consistency and the cohesiveness that, that he needs to, to see make up some ground in a hurry. And, you know, this team has the talent to win an eight of 10 or 10 of 12 or however many they do play down the stretch here. So that's also something to keep in mind. Yeah, it's crazy at this point that their best wins are Duke and Rutgers. I mean, it's a, I mean, go back two years ago and tell somebody that, and they're going to think you're insane. Well, I don't know that Duke is even that. I mean, so they're, they're, what are their two big wins are? Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking at the rest of them. I mean, it's, it's, it is probably still Duke at number two with, with Rutgers number one. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Rutgers, you know, has struggled a little bit here too. And I mean, Duke has been the equivalent, a little bit of that Minnesota football game for Michigan this year where it, it you know, sets yeah. certain expectations. I do, I do think people come to realize expectations uh, uh, and, and are, uh, put expectations more in line with what's realistic. And I think that'll, that'll help people enjoy the season and, and, and having this season sort of taken away for a little bit will help. So, you know, it'll be uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting next few weeks. Yeah. There's always that caveat that more games could get disrupted even out of their own hands. If another program has, uh, COVID issues. So that's, that's literally where we're at right now is just waiting and seeing everything. It, it makes it makes prognosticating a little bit different this year as well. Ooh, speaking of prognosticating, uh, legal online betting starts Friday in Michigan. How excited are we for that? I have three kids. I don't. I I, <laughs> I, I my betting is going to the grocery store and figuring out what's on sale. Yeah, I'll, I'll say for Michigan State fans, be cautious. And I don't know. Well, I haven't done this, looked at this in years, but it, five, six years ago at least, uh, I want to say it was Chad Millman. I can't remember who had the piece now. Um, but Michigan State covers spreads less than any other perennial top 25 team in basketball. One of the worst in football, too. I mean, that's it, it's been for decades, it's been a, a matter of inconsistency to avoid Michigan State because, well, you know, games they're not supposed to cover – and they're heavy. I mean, you saw the Michigan game this year. You saw the Northwestern game this year. The games that they're favored in, they go the other route. I mean, it's it's fascinating. I, I think. I mean, it might have been Phil Steele that's had that. If you you follow his magazine, he has a lot of how how teams do against the spread. Michigan State historically, over the last couple decades, has been one of those teams you just completely avoid because you can't, they're so unpredictable against the spread. The different reasons, though, and I think that's important to to note. Like. They are unpredictable yes. in football, but in basketball, the, the reason that was stated in this piece was that, you know, they, they kind of punch above their weight a lot. They find it in March. So they become this eight-time right. Final Four program that's, that plays in the Champions Classic that's considered one of the elites. But a lot of years, their talent isn't where Dukes and Kentuckys is, but the point spreads Vegas aren't reflective of that. So they're getting the Izzo March bump in January – before that actually <laughs> happens. And 
Uh, and so, I mean, you, you've seen it even this year. You've seen MSU favored in games that they probably had no business being favored in or, or whatnot. So I, um, I, I would just let people know, if you like betting your own team, Michigan State basketball is uh, one that uh, can be precarious. And again, the only the only spread I'm concerned about is in in the dairy counter. Get make sure no dairy in it, and uh, you know, do I want cream whipped or or smooth kind of blend? That's literally the only spreads that I can worry about. I will add. I believe someone can correct me on Twitter, but I believe Michigan State is either one and eleven or two and twelve this year against the spread. I think the only ones where they covered were Notre Dame, depending on when you got that line, and Rutgers. I think that's I think that's it. Yeah, and, and Rutgers was the one that you know was was stunning. Like the line in the Rutgers game is was like you you, you want. I mean, it, it's weird, and sometimes you should know something fishy. Like that was a line that looked ridiculous, yeah. um, and, and then Michigan State still wound up blowing them out. All right, any final thoughts before we uh, check out of here today? I got nothing. I mean, it, it feels weird not to like give some sort of picks. I mean, should we <laughs> to pick the NF, NFL? playoffs uh yeah we might as well go for it chris uh, uh, no that's on graham I, okay. I i only bring up the ideas at first <laughs> i need time to think this through I, that was like literally on the fly I need, I need a moment to think about this i will say that i i did a i did a parlay right away with uh because with the uncertainty of patrick mahomes i did a bills plus three packers money line parlay so uh depending on what mahomes does or it plays or not uh That'll change things. But I think the Packers win in the NFC. I, I don't know. What I found interesting about this whole gambling discussion is, like, I'm just going to bring a lot of new people into it. Yeah. But gambling isn't new in Michigan. And Phil knows this. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what this might add people to the puzzle, but this is not This is not new. This is what – the whole reason Maction exists is because random weeknights in the fall is because people – bet those games i mean i you know one of the things that i poo poo when people uh get down on gambling talk anymore who are in the business so to speak whether you work at a university or you work in pro sports hey you can poo poo it but that's paying your salary when we watch all when we're all watching a, a, a game late at night most of us don't care about those two teams everybody's got money on the game i i i just uh i would i would if you took betting out of the United States, all of it, the offshore, illegal, every book you're on the corner. I would like to see Mel Tucker's salary. I'd like to see the size of the athletic department at MSU. I'd like to see, cause I'd like to see the size of the TV contract. And I bet you it would be a lot smaller. I, I have well. no argument for any of that. <laughs> so, so back to the NFL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, Sorry, I went I, off. course. Yeah, I can tell you were you were, you were hot there. Yeah, you, you know what? I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna call a Bills and Buccaneers Super Bowl. Oh well, how about that? Yeah. Uh, how about I like that? I like Packers Bills. Packers Bills. I think that's where I don't I'm, know. I think that's where I'm leaning to. It, it's going to be interesting because you know this, this this Brady situation. I mean, people people all of a sudden kind of think that him going to Lambeau is going to be a big issue. I mean, the dude played. Almost an entire, almost twenty years in New England. Over twenty years in New England, he'll be he'll be fine. Lambeau Field, I think. Yeah. Well, I think I think the biggest issue is Green Bay's offense is going to light up Tampa Bay's defense. Is what I think is going to happen. <laughs> Very possible. Very possible. 
All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at Graham underscore couch, at Chris Solari, at Phil underscore friend, and LSJ Greenwhite. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.